Jesus went into the most brutal spiritual surgical chamber you could imagine. And anything that you and I will ever face in this life, anything that you and I will ever face will never compare to the cross. Never. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we come before you, and God, as we look to you, Lord, I pray that you would move and speak. Holy Spirit, I just ask that right now would you begin, if you haven't already, to cultivate our hearts. God, we pray for fertile soil right now, that as we open the Word, God, I pray that you would move. I pray you would move in power and make your presence known in this place, O God. And so, Father, as I yield myself to you, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you and you alone, my Lord, my rock, and my Redeemer. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2 as we conclude this 13-verse study from 1 Peter chapter 2. Matter of fact, as we are wrapping up here, you will see that that God is doing a, a great work in this particular instance, and the sermon title that I felt impressed, impressed to leave with you and both myself today is, is simply this, and it's a, a challenging title if you really begin to unpack it, but as you see it there in your sermon notes and on the screen, that the title is simply, Dying and Then Living. Dying and then living. When you understand the circle of life, whether it be an animal, a person, that's backwards. It's very backwards. You are born, you live, and then unless Jesus returns, you die. That's part of life. You can't outrun it. You can't outbuy it. The one thing that we can never truly get back is time. And as you think through this, the Christian life is just backwards. You actually die and then you live. You actually live by dying. You actually win by losing. The way up is actually down. And here we're going to see in two verses this principle as Peter pours into those persecuted Christians then. And for you that are all in for Jesus, you know that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I pray your heart will be filled today. I pray you'll leave here today just full, just full of the Word, that your heart will be fed and your heart will be stirred to go out and live every day for King Jesus. And so here's what God's Word says in 1 Peter chapter 2, 24 through 25. So powerful. He... Jesus, He Himself, what did He do, church? He bore our sins in His body on the tree. Wow, that's a praise Jesus moment, amen? Why? This is where this gets tough. 
Why? That we might die to sin and then live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Another moment to shout amen. 25, for you were straying like sheep, but, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. This is amazing because so often when we think about salvation, we think about the reward, and that's a good, healthy thing, amen? To spend the rest of your eternity, all eternity, with the king who you've given your life to is an awesome thing. But for you in the room that are alive today, and you're breathing, and you got blood in your veins, and breath in your lungs, when you give your life to Christ, you have now said this, you've made a declaration. As we had a baptism today, we understand that baptism doesn't save, but we understand this, that baptism is a declaration. You're saying, I want to profess to everyone that's watching that my life is no longer my own that I've given my life away joyfully, not under coercion, but I've joyfully surrendered my life to the King so that as I'm making this profession of faith in front of all these people, I'm showing, I'm declaring to a watching world that I'm buried with Christ in baptism, and I'm now raised, raised. Did you catch this church? I'm buried, I'm dying. I died, and now I'm raised. I'm raised to walk in newness of life. See, Jesus, he bore our sins, didn't he? Uh, Jesus didn't go get a stunt double. He himself did this. Like Jesus, the king. Kings don't die. Not in the earthly realm, they don't. You do everything you can in your power to protect the king in the earthly realm. But we don't operate according to the earthly and the temporal. We operate according to the spiritual. And Jesus came and he was born to die. He was born to conquer the grave. He was on a mission. A heat-seeking missile of mass proportions And he says, I'm going to go to the cross at any and all costs. I'm not going to be deterred. Even there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, oh God. But nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Church, if I could implore you with one thought this morning would be this. Surrender to the land of nevertheless. Get to the point in your life where nothing else matters but Jesus. He bore in his body, he was physically tortured for you. He was marred beyond recognition. He was beaten inhumanely. He was executed with nails the size of railroad spikes as they were driven into his flesh. That he sacrificed, that he sacrificed everything. He didn't surrender some. He surrendered all. That whoever believes, whoever commits their life to Him, whoever surrenders to Him, whoever gives everything over to Him will not perish but have everlasting life. When Jesus takes you from death to life, did you notice the order of that statement? He takes you from death to life. The enemy 
will do everything in his power to dissuade you, to discourage you, to slander you, to lie about you. And yet for those who've truly given their life to Christ, the mission is always the mission, amen? See, Peter's pouring into the believer then, he's pouring into us today, and he's saying, look, make this personal. Make it personal. Don't just make the reward personal. Everyone votes yes on that one, amen? Hey, we get to go to heaven, woo right? If you're really going to be in for Jesus, you got to die. So often this point gets missed. It doesn't draw a crowd. It's not overly exciting. Who wants to die today? But it's biblical. All through Scripture, we see this message of surrender and dying to self. Paul said like this, I die daily. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live. And those are powerful, potent, searing words to my flesh. It's no longer I. But it's Christ who lives in me. Those thoughts all week long were searing. And I wanted you to write down key number one. Here it is, key number one. Christ died for us so that we would die to sin and to self. Key number one, Christ died for us so that, there's a why here, and we just read it in Scripture, so that we would die to sin and we would die to self. Now think about this, when he says here that he bore our sin. This is so important when you study that in the original language. This word bore, B-O-R-E, means this, to get under and to carry the weight of. Christ got under my sin, so to speak, and He began to carry it. The weightiness of my sin. Make it personal today. This is what will transform your heart. This is what will transform your life and your marriage and your home and your business, your ball team, your church, your neighborhood. When people begin to rally around the truth of God's Word that is greatly offensive, but you begin to understand the cost that was paid. And there is a requirement in this. Bonhoeffer, I think, said it best. He said, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Wow. He bore, he carried the weight of my sin, your sin. He carried it. And he carried it to Calvary. And then he says this, Peter does, he says that we might die. It's the pathway, if you will, to die to sin is to die to self. If you want to know how to die to sin today, die to self. That's the pathway. So many people are struggling with sin. They're ensnared. They're caught in the cords of sin, is what the Bible says. And the reality in the American culture, we're, we're cheerleaded and we're championed all week long. Me, 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 me. And then we come inside the church house and realize that it's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus and His glory. And boy, the tug of war begins to take place. And church, understand this, that the greatest greatest collision of mercy, grace, and justice happened on the cross. A collision of mass proportions. And here Peter is trying to drive this point deep into them, the reader, and us today saying, look, this is what he did. This is what you are to do. And as he shares this text here, this thought began to hit me so hard. This thought began to just resonate so deeply in my soul that he uses these words. Look in your Bible for a moment. He says this, and to live for righteousness, which is the condition that is acceptable to God. It's very interesting when you look at this thought here that he then says this, by his wounds you have been healed. Now that's another interesting thought here. Death, then living. Wounds typically don't heal someone else. And yet in God's economy, they do. 
Now, church, understand this. The prosperity preachers will take this phrase that is right there from Isaiah 53, verse 5, and they will manipulate this for their own gain. When they say this, they'll say, hey, here's the deal. Uh, By his wounds, you've been healed. That means that, you know what, you're physically going to always be healed. And that is not the point at all. From a hermeneutical standpoint, when you dig into the Scripture and you see very clearly from Isaiah 53, the Word is talking about a spiritual healing. By His wounds, by His stripes, by the nails going into my Savior, He has healed me. And I'm healed forever, and so are you if you've given your life to Christ. Think about these verses that I pray will will encourage our hearts. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 through 21. Paul writes, therefore, we are ambassadors. Have you ever thought about yourself as an ambassador? We are ambassadors for Christ. Mm, Think about that. God making His appeal through us. We implore you then, what? On behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin, what? So that, there's the why, that we might become the righteousness of God. There's that phrase, the righteousness of God. When Christ died and He bore, He got under me, you, the true believer, He got under your sin, He began to carry your sin He atoned for your sin, the propitiation that the wrath of God was forever satisfied for the person who truly gives their life to Christ. When God now looks at that sinner, he looks to the blood of Jesus, and when he looks to the blood of Jesus, the sinner is washed white as snow. And there's nothing greater For you that have truly been delivered from darkness and you're walking in the light, you get what I'm saying. There's nothing greater. Another verse from Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 17. Paul writes now to the church in Galatia. He says this, but I say, live, walk, obey by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you're wondering today, how do I die to self? How do I truly die to sin? Well, listen to what Galatians 5, which by the way is right there in the same context of the fruit of the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other. Why? Here's the why. To keep you, make it personal, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. See, what happens in a a home, a business, a ball team, or a church is that a culture begins to develop over time. A culture. And when the culture has pride and, and envy and selfishness and gossip and slander and disrespect, and backbiting, it just sinks its claws into that culture. And then when light is brought onto that culture, what do you think is going to happen? Bring out the boxing gloves. We just read it there. They're opposed to one another. That there's a war going on, perhaps in your home today. Perhaps there's been a culture in your home of of total dysfunction, ungodliness, and now you have given your life to Christ, and the enemy doesn't go, hey, let me get the door for you. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. He's like, game on. And light and darkness are fighting against one another. That's why we got to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.24 says it like this, and those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh. They're not under the control of its passions and desires any longer. They've put it to death. doesn't mean we don't sin. We all struggle. I know I do. But prayerfully, there's going to be a great heavy conviction on me and you that when we do those things that are not of the Lord, that perhaps we've got sucked into the deception. And remember the power of deception? Here it is. We actually think we're walking in rightness. That's the power of it. It blinds. It deceives. 
And no one is immune from deception, not me, not you. That's why the word is so clear here that we are to die to self and die to sin. One of my favorites on this topic here is Romans 12, 1 through 2, and you probably have it memorized. Here's what Paul writes, Romans 12, 1 through 2. He says, I appeal, I, I beseech you. He's begging, he, he's pleading, he's imploring the reader. He's saying, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. There it is, to present your bodies as not a dead sacrifice, but here a, a living one. So here, the death has already occurred, and we're now to go live. We're living for Christ. We're not dead Christians. There's no such thing. If you're alive on this earth and you're a true little Christ, a true Christ follower, you are alive. You serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that on that day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, all to the praise of the Father. I don't know about you, but my God is not dead, but He's fully alive. And I don't hope this is going to work out. I know this is going to work out. Think about that thought as you weave through that last part of Romans 12, 1 through 2. which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. Well, that brings me to tears even thinking about it because I see so many professed believers who are just blending in with the world. They're being conformed. They're being sucked in. They're being lured in. They're being baited by Satan's fishing pole. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. You get in the Word. You open the Word. You feast on it. And even though perhaps you're in a culture, in your home, your business, your ball team, your church, you know, maybe perhaps it's just a very dysfunctional thing. You get in there and you go, God, what does your Word say? What does the truth say? Because we got to get out of how I feel business and get into what I know business. we got to get into the what-I-know business. Right here it is. You can stand on the solid rock and say, I know this. Without any hesitation, I know it. Not how I feel. Well, my heart's led me that way. The heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? I cringe when I hear that. Don't follow your heart. Follow the Word. And God will do something in your life that, that only He could accomplish. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. I was thinking of the importance of the Word and I was just marinating, I was praying, just seeking the Lord, and several thoughts began to resonate in my mind. And one of the thoughts that hit me was this, the centerpiece, the centerpiece of any God-seeking, God-fearing, God-hungering, God-holiness-desiring church, the centerpiece will be the pulpit. Hear me clearly on this. Not who stands in it, but what goes forth from it. That will be the centerpiece. It'll be the centerpiece. Why? Because this is our life. The Bible is your life. If I could plead with you, believer, today, dear sister, dear brother, if I could plead with you, a theme here today would be this. As Jesus Christ bore your sin and bore my sin, 
Your life is here in this book. This is the ticket. This is the key. And yet I'm just alarmed beyond measure of what is going forth from so many pulpits today. To please man, to please the flesh. And I believe the enemy is laughing all the way to the bank. So what does Peter say in our last verse? He puts an exclamation point on this church. This is so awesome. He says, for you were straying like sheep. You were wandering and you were roaming around. What do you guys know about sheep? Well, they go to MIT and get their degrees, amen? What do you know about sheep? Well, they're pretty dumb, aren't they? Doesn't that kind of offend you a little bit that when we look in Scripture and often we see that the words relating sheep to me and you? For you right here, we're straying like sheep, roaming, wandering. But it actually, the Greek on this is much deeper. This word, when you study this, actually means this, to be seduced and deceived. Whoa. I kind of like wandering and roaming, amen? Who woke up this morning going, I can't wait to get deceived? That's the power of the seduction of deceit. You don't even know you're being deceived. You think you're walking in the truth. That's why we have to be in the Word and the Word in us, not just on Sunday morning, but every day, moment by moment, marinate on the Word of God because we're straying like sheep. In the context here, this is what this means hermeneutically, he's referring to the point where they were an unbeliever. And he's saying, look, wait a minute, you've been redeemed. He's reminding them. And so often we have to be reminded, don't we? I know I do. It's so easy for me to be deceived. It's so easy for me to get off course. It's so easy for me to walk in pride. It's so easy for me to walk in these things. And so I have to be reminded that, wait a minute, when I gave my life to Christ those years ago, that A, it was real, it was true, I am now sealed for the day of redemption according to Scripture, but I'm still in this body of death, I still struggle, but praise be to Jesus, and I pray this for me and for you, I pray we are all stumbling forward, not backwards, amen? And Peter's reminding them, saying, look, you were straying, you were being led from truth into error. And the way the enemy typically does this is he deceives one person, and then he gets the one person to tell their friends, and now you got a train of people who are not under the Word, and they're just driving off cliffs. That's why key number two is so important in your notes. Key number two. Here it is. It's difficult to admit, but in the midst of suffering, no one is immune from straying from the truth and being deceived. Key number two, write it down. It's difficult to admit, but in the midst of suffering, no one is immune from straying from the truth and being deceived. I mean, if we embrace this today, if I embrace this today, if you personally embrace this today, this could be a watershed moment for you and your family and your church. A watershed moment. Bing, bing, bing. Light bulbs going off finally, perhaps after years going, there's truth there. Why? Because there's humility there. The Bible says this, that God looks on those who are humble and contrite in spirit, and who trembles at His Word. He actually looks on them with favor. If you want God's hand on you and not against you, be humble and tremble His Word. It's real simple. But oh, how we fight against this, don't we, as humans? Don't tell me what to do. I love Jesus. It's just amazing how the residue of deception 
creeps in over time and we don't even know it because as I said before, it's like carbon monoxide. I don't smell it. I can't taste it, touch it, see it, but it's killing me. And oh, how many people who profess Jesus are walking in deceit. KEC said it like this, pride, and isn't all forms of all sin a form of it, sends us adrift with the tide. We want our own way, stomping our feet like sulky children, captaining our own lives, blatantly disregarding the damage of our foolish causes. In wisdom, we must continually examine our heart's posture against the sharp, straight edge of Scripture, asking ourselves, Am I returning in confession and repentance to Christ and seeking to obey His Word and humbly accepting correction and instruction from fellow believers? If the answer is no, then according to the Bible, God regards me as a fool. End quote. Wow. One of the greatest lessons I've learned from my dad who is now with Jesus, and he's more alive today than he ever was on this earth, was a lesson that he inadvertently taught me. I'll never forget this, but he had made some unwise choices later in life. But I'll never forget the day that he looked at me. With piercing eyes, he looked right at me and said these words regarding those poor choices. He said, I was deceived. Wow. Wow. My dad taught me so much throughout my life, and yet that's the most glaring thing I can remember because the humility and the contrition and the honesty and the brokenness was a watershed moment in my life that when he said that, the man I looked up to that he had the confidence and that humility to say, I'm going to be willing to go low and to share my pain, that my pain has purpose, that you can take this pain, John, and you can use it for God's glory, and you can avoid the bridges that are out. I was deceived. Three words I'll never forget. And as I was thinking through that, Hebrews chapter 2 began to resonate in my mind. Because maybe, maybe you're struggling today. Life's hard, isn't it? Isn't life hard? Can we just agree on that this morning? Life's hard. It's difficult. There's disappointments. There's stresses. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 2, because I want to make sure as we are dying to self that we never forget this thought. There's a thought here I want to make sure you hear very clearly. There's hope in Christ. Amen? There's hope in Christ. Amen? And because there's hope in Christ, we, we must be looking to Christ. <laughs> I mean, we've got to look where the real hope is. Uh, not in the retirement account and the sailboat and the condo and the car and whatever else is going on. That's not hope. That's foolishness. There is hope, and it's only found in Jesus, so we got to look to Christ. So today, I want to make sure as you're looking to die to self and die to sin, don't try this in your self-effort. <laughs> look to Christ. Say, Jesus, you got to do this in me, through me, and beyond me. And right here in Hebrews chapter 2, it says this, 17 and 18, therefore, in light of what was just said, preceding verses, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Why? So that, do you see that? So that, I love this. He might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. To do what? To make propitiation, to satisfy the wrath of God, to appease him for the sins of the people. For he himself has suffered when tempted. He is able, I love that, that is so cool. God is able today in your mess to create a glorious message. 
He's able. He's able to do this to help those who are being tempted. Aren't you glad that you have someone who has endured great suffering, that when you are suffering, you can look to Jesus and go, Jesus, you've actually had far worse than I have. You got the t-shirt. I can trust you. We often tell other people when they're going into surgery, hey, it's not going to be that bad. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? They're getting wheeled into the surgical chamber, and I'm not. Jesus went into the most brutal spiritual surgical chamber you could imagine. And anything that you and I will ever face in this life, anything that you and I will ever face, will never compare to the cross. Never. There's nothing. Therefore, He goes before us. In your suffering and your pain today, there's hope in Jesus. There's hope in Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Are you on the rock today or is the reality you are on the sand? So many people think they're on the rock. But the deception is they've actually built their house on the sand. And the rains are coming, people. They're coming. And if you're not on Jesus truthfully, you are going to be utterly crushed. That's why our last verses, 1 Peter chapter 5, I'm borrowing from what we're going to study in weeks ahead. But I want you to listen to this to encourage your heart. 1 Peter chapter 5, listen to these verses 5 through 11. Listen closely. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Okay, interesting. There's a, a joyful submission there. Then here's the, the verbiage and the imagery. Clothe yourselves, like put on. That's what Peter means. Put on, clothe yourselves. All of you, he says, with what? This is very interesting. What's the first thing he says to do? Help me, church. Humility. What's the opposite of humility? Pride. What does the Bible say, church, about those who walk in pride? God's hands against you. And please don't miss this. Don't miss this. As was once said, what we sow personally, we will reap corporately. When we bring pride in here, God's hands against us. Peter says, look, clothe yourselves, not with love. Love's awesome. Not with joy. Joy's incredible. Not peace or patience. Amazing. He says, clothe yourselves with humility. See, humility is me, you, looking away from self, looking towards God and saying, God, how can I bless you? How can I serve you? How can I bless others? How can I serve them? How can I deny myself, die to sin, and die to self is what we're asking. Clothe yourselves with all humility towards one another. Well, here we go. Here's our answer. For God opposes. He's in direct opposition. In the Greek construction there, it means this, God's going to war against. Wow. God is going to war against the proud, but He does what? He gives. He gives charis, unmerited favor, grace to who? The humble. Now He repeats it again. Humble yourselves, therefore under. Now this is key here. Humble yourselves under. Christ bore the weight of my sins. He went under. What happens now? In return to Him, I go under. It's absolutely astounding when you begin to unpack this and connect all the dots. He bore, He carried your sin. He got under your sin. And He's carrying your sin. And now we're commanded as true believers, humble yourselves, not to the side of, not on top of, not over there, over here. Humble you, me, under Him. And what will He do? 
Love this. So that the why. At the proper time. Notice that, very key. Have you ever noticed this, church, that, that God's time is typically not our time, amen? And yet He's never early, He's never late, He's always right on time. So that at the proper time, He may exalt you. Doesn't make any fleshly sense. Let me get this straight, preacher. You're telling me at the workplace, I actually need to go low, and in His due time, He's going to lift me up? Yeah. Why? Because He opposes those who go high. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you, God. If I need you, I'll let you know. Oh, just a, woe is me, I'm undone. Do the work, Holy Spirit, move in power. Just move and do something today. In due time, He will lift us up. And then here's the beauty. Here is the great, great encouragement. Listen to this. Casting, just casting all your anxieties on Him. I mean, again, original language, it means this, to heave. Like you go fishing, you're a little boy, and what do you do? You're trying to outcast everybody, aren't you? I mean, man, you're heaving the pole. There's a couple times that you've heaved it so hard that you actually lost the pole, didn't you? I mean, you're just trying to impress everybody as a little kid, aren't you? I mean, I did it all the time. Let me see how far I can throw this. That's what that literally is giving the imagery of. You are heaving your anxiety on him. Here it is. Hey, God, I know through Jesus, you've already bore. You're underneath. You've got big shoulders. You've got a strong back. You can handle this. Here's some more. And Jesus goes, bring it. Just bring it on, man. I got this. Casting all your anxieties. So today, do that, church. Just cast it on him. Because He cares for you. How do we know He cares for us? Because we just read that He bore my sin in His body. What more could He do for me than you? People say, I wish Jesus would do something for me. I'm like, what? You want Jesus to do something for you? You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, I want Jesus to do something for me. But he bore your sin in his body. And then what happens? He cares for you. And now here's the instruction. Here's where we got to be careful. Be sober-minded, verse 8. Be watchful on your guard. Why? Your adversary, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The way that God designed those lions is as they tread on that brush, they can weigh 500 pounds, and their paws are so quiet that the object of their desire has no idea they're about to be devoured. And I can't think of a better descriptor of Satan himself who masquerades the cosmopolitan of light, the Bible says, and he begins to sneak upon us. Our guard is down. We're not under the Word. We're not in the fellowship of believers. We don't have any arsenal in our belt any longer. And he is pouncing, deceiving, and destroying at a rapid pace today. Therefore, we must do what? The last part of that verse there, those verses, resist him in your faith. I love this. So you don't resist him in your strength. You resist him in your faith by the blood of Jesus Christ that today you say this, Satan, I, am, I no longer work for you. Satan, I'm no longer on your payroll. Satan, I've looked at my check. I get it every two weeks. I'm no longer in the kingdom of darkness, but I work for the kingdom of light. I have been pulled from your grip. You have no dominion over me. You have no power over me. I answer to King Jesus. I resist you by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's your faith. It's not a Sunday morning deal or a Wednesday night deal. It's an everyday deal. And as you resist him in your faith, here's what's going to happen. Knowing there's an intimacy, a confidence, as you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, here it is, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world, 
And then here's the glorious promise, church. Verse 10, here it is, our last one. Grip this, feed on it, feast on it today. Look at verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while. You know what that tells me today, church? There is going to be an end to my suffering. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all charis, unmerited favor, grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, amen, will himself restore and confirm and strengthen and establish you, and to him be the dominion forever and ever, and all God's people shouted. The Holy Spirit is looking for a humble spirit. That's who he works through. The prideful spirits quench and grieve. It was once said either be humble or be humbled. And that's why our takeaway question is simply this. In the midst of my suffering for the gospel, am I determined by the power of the Holy Spirit to not cave to the pressures of the culture. Take away question, write it down. Powerful. In the midst of the suffering, of my suffering, make it personal for the gospel, am I determined by the power of the Holy Spirit to not cave to the pressures of the culture? As God has our attention, the question is, will we yield to Him? Everything the enemy does, church, is a counterfeit. He's an imposter. He's a liar. He's a thief. Everything he does is dark. Will we cave or will we stand tall? Will we stand for the truth? Will we stand with the truth tellers? Or will we cave? Well, how do you combat this knowing that everything he does is a lie? Here it is, our action step. Today, I make a commitment to die to sin, die to self, Daily immerse myself in God's Word and to weekly be in the fellowship of the believers. Action step. I I pray that you write it down and I pray you make a commitment today, starting today. Today, I will die to sin. I will die to self. I will daily immerse myself, just dive headfirst into God's Word and to weekly be here in the fellowship of the believers. Every time you miss a Sunday, you never get that Sunday back. It's gone, like gone. That's not a big deal. It's a really big deal. Why? Because we're under God's Word. We're prayerfully growing in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Every time you miss, you never get it back. And the enemy's just laughing. He's licking his chops. You know, a lot of times you hear, man, I'm tired. I've had a rough week. You know? <laughs> I got a birthday party. I got to rearrange my sock drawer. I mean, it's, it's just insanity. And I said to them, I said, I said, if I showed up only when I was not tired, I would never be here. I mean, join the club, right? <laughs> I mean, welcome to planet Earth. It just begs the question, what price are we willing to pay? There's the question. What price are we willing to pay? It reminds me of some missionaries. The missionaries were boarding a ship to a foreign land. And the missionaries knew where they were going was going to be treacherous, that this may be a one-way ticket to go spread the gospel. And they answered that question, what is the price I'm willing to pay? And they got on the ship, and as they boarded the ship, the the captain asked where they were going as they were journeying on a a route of different stops. They said, oh, we're going to such and such country. And his eyes began to swell, and he was very passionate. He said, oh, wait, you can't go there. Go anywhere but there. The missionaries were determined. They had already made the decision. They said, we're going to pay the price. He said, look, listen to me. Go anywhere but there. He said these words. He says, if you go there, you will die. To which they responded, we've already died. Have you died? 
See, according to the Bible, if you're really going to have life in Christ, you have to die. Oh, I pray today by the power of the Holy Spirit as He's moving and stirring in this place today, don't take another breath until you've died to sin, died to self, and surrendered everything to King Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you as we lift up your word, we lift up your holiness. Lord, as we begin to sing this song, maybe there's one here today that's never truly died. Maybe they've made a profession of faith, but it's not real. Maybe they've made a profession of faith, but they're living in rebellion and defiance. Oh God, I pray only you can do this. John 16, 8, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts of sin. We can plead. We can attempt to compel. But oh God, I pray, would you just move in this place. Do a work only you can do in this time as we have hope in Christ. We do. Praise God for the hope in Jesus. But we can only have hope in Jesus if we die. Die to self and die to sin. So, Father, would you move? Just move right now. Stir in a powerful way. Don't allow us to leave here today spiritually the same as we walked in. May we be on mission like never before. Light a fire under us, God. Help us to step up, step out, and live in obedience. God, we give you this time. We worship you. And we pray this all in the mighty and the matchless name. As the altars open now, we pray this in King Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.